Well, praise the Lord, and welcome to our Jude Bible study here on Friday morning in Queen City, Texas at Crossway Church, where you can join us here in the studio every Friday morning at 9 a.m. Central Time if you live anywhere in this area of Atlanta, Queen City, Texarkana. There's always a lady here about half an hour the other side of Shreveport. And so uh, we just thank God for those who come and those who watch at whatever time you're watching. Just grab your Bibles. We'll <clears throat> begin session five this morning on August the 16th here, 2019. And just a reminder before we dig in that everything we do here at Crossway Church, even when I travel on the road, I use my Spreaker uh, app and I'm using it right now to record. So if something were to happen to the camera or the internet, it'll always be there on my spree on on the Spreaker app. My channel is for those who have ears to hear, or you could type in Curtis Hutchinson. Plus, everything is uploaded to the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. So there, you can avail yourself to what we teach, what we preach, and we're thankful for that. And uh, those avenues for the gospel to be able to go out into a lost world in the backslidden church today and for the church as well who has found their way back to the cross who can grow through hearing the truth. And we're thankful for that. Again, this is session five this morning. And uh, we are going to be in chat in verse uh, uh, four is where we'll start because I didn't really finish with that last week. And there was a, a thought that came out last week in the last session, and I believe it was really more than a thought. I believe it was really the Lord revealing something to us uh, very important, and that is uh, these men who creep in among us unawares, uh, they are saying uh, the same words sometimes, but the meaning is different, and that's how we can be duped. Uh, seduced by them if we're not careful to pay attention because if you pay attention long enough you're going to see what the minister really means by what he's saying it's going to come out and the true object of faith is going to come out uh, sooner than later most times so let's read this verse 4 this morning in the book of Jude for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to say something this morning about these men who creep in the church and unaware, and, and I'm really not sure that the men that were creeping in unaware were men that had already been in the way of righteousness and had forsaken the way or they had never known it and they were just trying to be spiritual and, 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 and come in and, and under the guise of Satan, which it would always be if you're trying to get somebody out of the faith and, and, and twist the meaning of God's grace and, and use God's grace for something other than what it's really meant to be for. So I don't think we're really sure if these people had already forsaken the way of righteousness and now they've gone another way or if they've never known the way of righteousness. Nevertheless, they were talking the right words because that's how they creep in among us unaware. But they mean something totally different. It's like certain scriptures in the Bible. It says what it says. But some people read it and it means this to them. And to us, it means this to us. Now for sure, we can both be wrong. 
One of us can be right and the other wrong, but if our views are contrary to each other, we cannot both be right. So we need to always remember that God's words, all of his words are spoken in righteousness, and righteousness is only revealed in the gospel. Now that was Proverbs 8 and 8 and Romans 1, 16 and 17. You cannot separate righteousness from the gospel and what the gospel does. It makes you righteous and it allows you, as long as your faith remains in the gospel, which is what Christ did at Calvary, without adding to the objects of your faith, this one object, the cross of Christ, it allows you to bear the fruit of God's righteousness. So, when these men creep in among us, they may be saying the right words. We've already experienced that several years ago. A man was uh, preaching in the pulpit, at, at one, uh, you know, and, and he was saying things uh, that sounded right, but we just had a check in our spirit. And time went on, and as time went on, sure enough, there he was in that grace revolution, false grace revolution. If you're being told that because of the grace of God, you don't have to repent, then that's somebody that's turning God's grace into something it's not. Because it's by grace we're saved, and it's by grace we repent. And the Bible has several, many occasions where it is telling the church to repent. Amen, Brother Curtis. And so anybody that's using God's grace, teaching that God's grace is telling you you don't have to repent, that's the ungodliness. That's those who've crept in among us unawares. Oh, they're preaching the right stuff, it sounds like, for salvation, and people can get saved. But when they start talking about it, you don't have to repent. All you need to do is confess who you are, that you're the righteousness of God in Christ. Now their faith is back into what they're confessing, that they're, their confession. And there's nothing wrong with confessing who you are in Christ, but your faith better not be in your confession. Your faith better remain in Christ and what he did at Calvary. Hallelujah. Your faith is to never be in the blessings of the Lord. You need to know that. Your faith is never to be in the blessings of the Lord. Your faith can be in Christ for the blessings of the Lord, but your faith can never be in the blessings. There's only one place for your faith to be, and that's in Christ. Now, all the blessings, all the promises are in Him, it's the only object of faith God's given you. When you're hearing anything else, really, unfortunately, hopefully most of it, as in our case, was just being done in ignorance, not in rebellion. <coughs> but many preachers today are hearing this truth, and they've heard it. You know, the Lord was really impressing on my heart yesterday, and this is for all of us who sit in these cross-preaching churches. So you've heard the message of, you've heard a thousand messages. So where are you with it? Where are you with it? You've heard a thousand messages on, on, on God's word as it pertains to Christ and Him crucified. What's it doing for you? That's a big question. What's, what's, what's changed about you? Because if you're just sitting there listening and there's no change, if you're just sitting there listening and there's no fruit, if you're just sitting there listening and there's no increase, you need to wake up. You need to, you need to examine your heart and make sure you're in the faith. So, the word apostasy is not found. It's not found in the Bible. But the experience and the effect of what's going on in Jude is apostates. 
And this warning is to the beloved so that those who either have gone astray or those who uh, are going, uh, being warned not to go astray, it's, it's for us. We're being warned. We're being warned. Men are creeping in the church. They're, they're, they're teaching God's grace in a false way. And again, whether these men never knew the way or they did and they've forsaken it. And let me tell you something. Peter said, Peter wrote this, it's better that you never knew the way of righteousness than to have known it and forsake it. That's in the Bible. My friend Peter wrote that. So think about this. Uh, apostasy, let's talk about. No, let's talk about contending for the faith first. I've got this here in my notes. I don't want to miss anything. Contending for the faith first of all, deals with your own heart. Within the heart, you've got to contend for the faith. It starts with you. And then, just like Jude is doing, you have to begin to do that too. If you're contending for the faith, you're not going to be able to keep it quiet. When you hear that which is false, you're not going to be belligerent, but you're going to kindly tell them what the Bible says. In the proper context. So again, contending for the faith means that you are focused on the common salvation and that you are, first of all, allowing this truth to permeate your heart and you're having to fight the good fight of faith to run this race of victory. And then you're ready to tell others. You're, you're just like Jude is doing. It, listen, I don't believe one can begin to focus on the common salvation or begin to talk about the common salvation without having to tell others of everything that's, that's false that's out there. And that's really what's going on here. Jude having to write about those who are creeping in the church among us when most of the church would say, why don't we just let them alone? Why don't we just all get along? And you know, and there's so many people today, they just don't like, they don't like all this warning. But we need to pay attention in why the Bible is full of warning, why you're being warned in, a, in big amounts today is because everything that is false doctrine takes away from the supremacy of Christ and it keeps you and I from bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We cannot bear fruit under law. We cannot bear fruit while we're believing false doctrine. We cannot bear fruit except by the grace of God. That means what God is doing in our lives through faith. In the cross, that is. So, let's talk for a minute about apostasy and really see what it is. Apostasy is one who's forsaken the faith. The principles are party to which... He before adhered to one who has forsaken his religion for another. Watch. It also means a pervert. Now that's not talking about a child molesting and all pedophile. That's not talking about that. That's talking about one who's now found perverting the scriptures, going a different way than the way the scriptures provide a path for, the, the path of righteousness. And now we've forsaken the path of righteousness, still harping on grace, 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 but God's grace no longer has us on the path of righteousness. Think about that. The word apostasy in the, in the Webster's Dictionary means a pervert. And that means we're now perverting the Scriptures. We're perverting God's grace. It also means a renegade. 
It also means one who, after having received sacred orders, renounces his profession. That means really we move away from the way of righteousness. And you, you're going to have to, those of you who still are clinging to that once saved, always saved, there's, there's no scripture for that. There's no scripture for unconditional eternal security. The scriptures are always for conditional eternal security. Not based on our works, based on our faith in the work of Christ at Calvary. As long as you believe Christ died for your sins, you're going to make it. Hallelujah. Amen. It, but when you stop believing that's the only way of salvation and victory, my friend, you're going, you've forsaken the way of righteousness. You have forsaken it. And remember, Peter wrote, I've got it here in my notes, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 19 through 21. See, Peter also writes about these people. Watch this. While they promise them liberty. If they're preaching a false grace, there is no liberty. And grace is what Jesus did at Calvary. He tasted death for all men by the grace of God. Hebrews 2, 9. Peter says, while they promise them liberty... They themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. Let me read it again. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. These men who creep in among us unawares and they... And they use grace for something other than God's purpose for grace. Listen, they're in bondage and we're going to come under the same bondage they're, they're under. It's what Peter's saying. Verse 20 says, here it comes, for if after they have escaped the born-again experience. Do you hear me? The born-again experience. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it, talking about escaping the pollutions of the world, not just hearing about it, no, no, experiencing it. After, after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Need to think about that. You and I can turn away from the way of righteousness. You and I can depart from it. The Bible says many in the last days are going to depart from the faith. There's going to, they're going to be, we're going to, there's many, many being seduced right now. They're turning away. I know that because of the once saved, always saved fleshly heresy, uh, they say they, they step into the shoes of being judged that those per people were never saved. You're going to have to let these old writers and these old commentators go because they don't have a leg to stand on in that false doctrine. You can know the way of righteousness. You can experience the way of righteousness. You can forsake the way of righteousness. You need to know that. And this is important. It was the children of God being warned to avoid apostasy through contending for the faith. That's the way we avoid apostasy. If we're not willing to contend for the faith, we're already being pulled and moved in the wrong direction. If you can't stand for the faith, which is faith in the cross of Jesus Christ, if you can't stand for that, contend for that, 
become determined to know nothing but that, you are already being pulled in the wrong direction. Doesn't matter what you think. Doesn't matter how you feel. We've got the Word of God to go by, amen? The ones who were offering another way were not of God. Anybody who teaches that grace does something the Bible teach it, teaches it doesn't do, they're not of God. It may be a minister who is called, but he's at this point operating in ignorance, meaning he just doesn't know. But know this, even in our not knowing, that means we can't help others. For years, the church has known what gets people saved, but the message that sanctifies just hasn't been there. It just hasn't been there. You can read books that thick on justification and shout hallelujah all the way through it, but you're not going to find books that thick until over just the last 20 years, and that just a handful of ministers. I'm talking about a handful of ministers who, are, who can right now, because they're learning the way of sanctification, the way of victory over sin. And it ain't you working to get out of it, it's you still believing in what Christ did at Calvary. The ones who were offering another way were not of God, they were not apostates, but were rather ungodly men ordained to be in this condemnation because of a heart of rejection toward the Lord. Now, again, I need to clarify that. They could have been apostates. We don't know. They could have been in the way and have forsaken the way. Now they're teaching that which is false. Or they could have never been in the way of righteousness. They're just in teaching that which is false. Both of those situations do exist. This letter is to warn and to protect the beloved from turning away from the way of righteousness, which we've already proven in Scripture, is possible. We need to know that. And we talked last week, and we're going to talk a little bit more about it today. In Romans chapter 9, verse 17. God showed his power, and I'm going to read the verse here in just a moment. God showed his power in Pharaoh. He also shows his power in his children. But those are in two different ways. And we, we, don't, want, we don't want to be like Pharaoh. God showing his power in us and through us that he's God but that we're rebelling all the way through it. And, it and, and we look like fools all the way through it. And in the end, we die because we rejected him all the way through. All his signs, all his works, all his miracles there in Egypt. God was showing his power in Pharaoh, but Pharaoh rebelled, rejected all of it, and died and went to hell. You need to know that. You and I, God shows his power in us, and whenever God is showing his power in anybody, it has an effect on, any, on other folks. Think about when God was showing his power in Pharaoh. He was showing all of Egypt, every one of those miracles that God worked, he was showing them because every one of those miracles he performed was dealing with some god, false god, the Egyptians were worshiping. They worshiped flies. They worshiped frogs. They worshiped the Nile. They worshiped the sun, the moon. They worshiped everything. So God brought the flies on them. God brought the frogs on them. God blocked the sun. God turned the, the, the river Nile, the, the Nile River into blood. Everything they worshiped, God prevailed over and showed wasn't really God's and he's the only true God. And he showed his power through Moses in Pharaoh. 
And He wants to show His power in and through us today, but in a different way. The victory afforded us at Calvary. That's good news. No, it's not going to show you as a mighty warrior. It's, you're going to be seen as weak. You're going to be seen just as Christ was seen if you're living by grace. You're going to be seen as weak, but you're going to live by the power of God toward others. That's, that's good news right there. It's not about how you look. It's about how we express Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 17 the Bible says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the aroma of his knowledge by us in every place. Notice, the knowledge that he makes by us is the triumph of Christ. That knowledge can't be made known by us unless we're walking in that triumph. Unless we're pointing to where that triumph came from. That's the cross is the knowledge the aroma that we are to God. Let me read it again. Now thanks be unto God, which always leads us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the aroma of that knowledge, which is his knowledge, by us in every place. Not just on, at church on Sunday morning, Wednesday night. Wherever we are, he wants to make that knowledge known, that knowledge that we have that brings the triumph into our life. Where sin's no longer dominating us, where the changes are taking place, hallelujah, where the true grace of God is at work. And grace is simply God at work in your life. That's the grace of God. God doing something you can't pay for, you can't work for, you don't deserve. God does it because he loves you. God does it because he sees your faith in the only avenue that grace comes from, and that's the cross of Christ. We need to know that. We need to hear that over and over and over again. That grace is not because of what I do. Grace is because of what Christ did. Grace is not because of what Christ did. Now what I do, no, grace is because of what Christ did. Grace is because of what Christ did. Grace is because of what Christ did. Now if that's where my faith is, that same death that Jesus, that same grace that Jesus tasted death by flows into my life and now the Holy Spirit is doing that uh, a work based on that work in my life. Amen. The Holy Spirit's not going to work in and through me if my faith doesn't remain in the sacrifice. That's true grace. Anything other, grace won't come from anywhere else. You know, I'm going to go do something. God, give me grace to do it. He will if it's His will for you to do it. He will if it's what He is going to do in and through you. And here it is, right here. If He does it, the fruit of him having done it will be there. Not you saying, but him showing the fruit of him having been there. See, the grace of God always has fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. The fruits of the righteousness of Christ. He says in verse 15, here again in chapter 2 of uh, 2 Corinthians, For we are unto God a sweet aroma of Christ. This is unto God. A sweet aroma of Christ. Not a sweet aroma of Curtis or the Bible study or the church or the denomination. We are unto God a sweet aroma of Christ in them. 
in them. See, the reason people don't like you preaching this message is because the effect you're having on them is not on them, it's in them. What God is able to do in and through you is going to affect the hearts of other people. It's not with some outward thing they don't like you. It's in their heart they don't like you. It's in their heart they reject the truth. It's in their heart they're rebelling. Because we have an effect in them. Just like God through Moses and what he was doing in Egypt had an effect of God's power in Pharaoh. Watch it. Here it is. I never did read it to you. Let me read it to you. Go back to Romans chapter 9 verse 17. For the scripture says unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised you up. Notice God raised Pharaoh up. That I might show my power in you. And that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Even these men who creeping in the church ordained unto this condemnation. God is going to get glory when it's all said and done. Because the beloved are being born. The beloved, hopefully, are going to wake up and begin to contend for the faith. And even those who are fighting against God's grace, claiming they're living by it, like the Pharisees, the Judaizers, claiming they're living by grace, but the whole time denying grace, many that profess they know God, but are denying God in their works, Titus 1.16. I'm going to tell you, the great white throne judgment is going to be such, it's going to be the most devastating shock to those who are standing there knowing that they are now lost eternally because their great-great-grandfather, their great-grandfather, their grandfather, their daddy, all the way down, they were devout in that which they believed, but they believed wrong all those years. They only believed because their daddy taught them what their granddaddy and their great-granddaddy taught them. Listen, you better get back in the Bible and let daddy and granddaddy go. You better get in the Word of God for there is your answer not in daddy. Hallelujah. And many are going to bust hell wide open because they just believed what daddy and granddaddy said because their faith was in daddy and granddaddy and not the word of God. We need to be hearing these things. So back here in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, he says in verse 15, For we are unto God a sweet aroma of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one we are the aroma of death unto, the, unto death. Those that they're not interested in Christ. They're not interested in God. They're not interested. And we just stink like death. We're just dead people. We're ignorant. We're weak. We're uh, base. We're, we're, we're the ones that God, in their opinion, would never choose, which in all reality, God always chooses the ones the world never will so that he can get glory. Amen. And to the other, the aroma of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. Are you speaking in Christ? In the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Well, 
Who, who are those who are speaking in the sight of God in Christ? Those who are declaring the knowledge of God that brings the triumph of God over sin. Bondage is broken. Chains of darkness broken. New lives given by the grace of God. That means by faith in what Christ did at Calvary. Listen, if Christ and his redemptive plan are not being pointed to while using the scriptures, we are in the sight of God not speaking in Christ. We're of those that are corrupting the word. We're corrupting the word. We're perverting the word if we don't open the scriptures and point to Christ and what he did at Calvary. Amen. I'm sorry you don't believe this. I'm sorry you don't think it's this narrow. I'm sorry that you don't think you have to be determined to know nothing else. I'm sorry that you're going in the wrong direction. I'm sorry. Many will turn off the ministers in these last days. Many are being seduced. Many are being deceived. One of the greatest illuminations that I have recently received is that the sin nature, Romans chapter 7, because I taught it and the Lord showed me some great things. But the reason the people of God won't come back to the cross is because they're in deception. And, and what's deceiving them is the sin nature that's dominating them. That's taught in Romans 7. Think about that. When my faith is in anything other than the cross of Christ, the sin nature is allowed to revive and to dominate. And what it does, it deceives and kills me. Doesn't mean physically. There's a yellow jacket in here. Got me on the move this morning. But the sin nature dominates in this way. It deceives and kills me. And it, and it makes me uh, walk in a place where there's no fruit there. And I'm having to dodge that yellow jacket. I don't want to get stung. The devil... <laughs> So think about that. The people who are hearing the message of the cross, and I did the same thing. I rebelled against it at first. But then I, I was able to hear the Lord showed me the truth of the cross and why not only, He showed me not only that what I'd been believing and preaching and teaching was, was wrong, but He also showed me that this is the right message. This is the common denominator that all Scripture, this is the foundation that all other Scripture pertain to, have to be tied to, can only be imparted through. It's only through the cross, my faith in the cross. And that began to be revealed to me. Jesus is the light, but the cross is the switch. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the door, but the cross is the hinge. There is no other avenue for understanding anything of God except through the covenant, the new covenant, which is the gospel, which is the message of the cross. Think about that. Mm -hmm. It's powerful, very powerful. But these people, they creep in among us unawares. And let me, let me get back to this thought about the sin nature. When our faith is moved from the sacrifice of Christ, this is so powerful to know this. The sin nature revives, begins to dominate me, and deceives me. If my faith is not the cross, who? think about this. Every child of God on the planet... Hopefully, there's millions of us, hopefully, whose faith is not in the cross of Christ <clears throat> alone. They're in deception. Paul said that when the sin nature revives, I die. 
Die for the Christian means I can't bear fruit. Means I can't bear fruit. Doesn't mean I can't tell somebody about Christ and they be saved. That's bearing a little bit of fruit. But it means there's no way, unless I know the message of the cross for daily sanctified living, power over sin, can I help them anymore? They're saved, they're in the kingdom, and now they're just going to have to struggle and, 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 and hopefully they'll make it to the end. Listen, the reason folks won't let go of what they're trusting in is because they're deceived and they think it's working for them. That's deception. Nothing works but the cross. Nothing works but the cross. If the cross is the only avenue through which righteousness comes and all God's words are in righteousness, how important is the message of the cross? It's the of the utmost importance. Think about that. Hmm. Now, let's look at a little bit in verse 4. For there are certain men crept in unawares. We didn't notice it when they came in because they're talking just like us who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. God put them in his plan right here. Just like he put Pharaoh in his plan right there. And then he put Moses in his plan right there. He has you in his plan today. Hopefully you're born again. Hopefully you are saved by grace through faith. And hopefully if you've been distracted and seduced and moved away you can't blame the false teachers all by themselves because they're out there teaching false doctrine. But it's the lust of our flesh that goes after them. So, think about this. Ungodly men, they're ordained to this condemnation. This condemnation, they're ungodly. They turn the grace of our God into lasciviousness, into a license to sin. Anybody that tells you it doesn't matter if you sin now, because grace covers your sin, they've turned the grace of God into something that it's not. The grace of God doesn't cover sin. The grace of God forgives you from sin and delivers you from sin. Hallelujah. Grace of God is not something God has offered you just so you can live in sin. That's an ungodly thought. That's lasciviousness, turning the grace of God into something that it is not. Think about it. Church is being taught all that under the heading of once saved, always saved. That, that, you know, the preachers, well, I don't teach it. No, but that's what the people run with. If you're not preaching the cross, using the scriptures, you can't just assume everybody knows the truth and the victory that comes in truth. You can't just assume, listen, if you're not warning against all the false things that are out there, you're not contending for the faith. Warning comes with it. Warning comes with it. You need to know that. They turn in the grace of God into lasciviousness, and they're denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know that when I would turn the grace of God into something that it's not. I'm denying God because the grace of God is God doing something in my life. So when I turn God's grace into something it's not, God can't work in that. But I guess we just think that God's going to work anyway. I, I think we really believe that, that God is just going to work in our lives anyway. That's not in your Bibles. What is in your Bibles is that you can fall from grace. 
Galatians 5, 1 through 4. Galatians 1 and 6. You can remove yourself from Him. We've All we've heard all our life, He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Praise God, it's going to be all right. That's the truth, but you can remove yourself from Him. You can fall from grace. That means the place where God continues that perfect work He began in your simple faith in what His Son did at Calvary. Think about that. You can end up dead as a Christian. Paul said, for, uh, uh, chapter 7, verse 9, I was alive once without the law. That means he was born again without the law. He was alive in Christ. But when the commandment came, when he turned back to start serving the commandment, trying to serve God through the law instead of simple faith in Christ, the Bible says the sin nature revived and I died. He didn't fall dead physically and he didn't lose his soul, but he stepped into a place where he could no longer bear fruit. Jesus told the church in Sardis the same thing. He says, you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. That's Revelations 3, 1 through 6. Think about that. You're dead. They weren't physically dead, and they hadn't lost their soul spiritually, but they were in a non-fruit-bearing place. But the Lord is faithful, just like through these teachings, to wake you up if you will hear and repent. Think about that. What a blessing it is. We get mad at first, but we better wake up and get glad, hallelujah, that the God is trying to reach and pierce through that deception of that sin nature and to get us to wake up and see that we can live in victory if our faith is not moved from the cross, if we don't pervert God's grace for many have. Many have. Think about all those ministers you used to be in association with. Well, they don't contact you because they're not preaching what you're preaching. They're not going to let you come preach in their church, although you were in ministry with them and you were tied to them. Not one of those ministers are going to call you and ask you to come preach in their church because you're preaching something they refuse to preach. They see it as you just blasting everybody. That's the way Israel saw all the prophets. Where do you stand today? When, when, when most people in the church see someone contending for the faith, they don't even see it for what it really is. They see it as a preacher just blasting everybody, a preacher really thinking he's the only one that's right. They're the only church that people should be going to. And that, that's never said out of someone who's contending for the faith's mouth. But that's how they see it. Because they're yet to step into this. The sin nature's dominating them. They think it's all about love and unity, which they really know nothing about biblically. Even though they can quote scriptures about it all day long, they know nothing about it biblically in its righteous context. That's why they don't have anything to do with you. There is no unity there. Unity is not about getting together. Unity is only found in God's eyes in the faith, not in a church building. In the faith. That's the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ that loved us and gave himself for us. Galatians 2 and 20. So think about this. If we're perverting God's grace, that means we're perverting God's word. And if we're perverting God's word, that means the very faith we think we have is perverted. And really, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. When we pervert God's word, we don't even know we're doing it. But we 
or perverting God. He can't really be perverted, but he can in our own hearts. We can assume God's doing this based on that and God's doing this based on that. And let me tell you something. The Bible's clear. All of God's works are done in truth. Psalms 33, 4. Have you got that written down? Have you got that highlighted in your Bible? Have you settled that in your heart? Or are you still just uh, tapping all over that and really don't know what to do with that? Well, let me help you today. The truth is Jesus, and what makes him the truth is what he did at Calvary. You might say, well, no, the Scriptures are the truth. Yes, the Scriptures are the truth if they're in the context of the man who said the Scriptures are about him in John 5, 39. And what the, the, the only application, the only avenue of application the Scriptures have into your and my life is through the blood of Jesus. And that's daily, not just a one-time deal. Now I can do what I want to with the Scriptures. No, the Scriptures are about Jesus. He's the truth of the Scriptures. And if my faith is what, if my faith is in what allows the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to me through illumination in the Scriptures, then, then I'm beginning to learn something. Praise God. Think about that. God doesn't choose the mighty and the strong and those of big stat statuses in the community. God chooses those who are weak and abased and poor and that no one else would choose so that he can be glorified. That's why the message of the cross, the actual cross of Christ, the death of Jesus is what I'm referring to. A man who had brought people out of the grave who'd opened blinded eyes, who healed from paralyzations, who fed thousands when there was no food, but maybe what you could fit in two hands. He fed thousands and all these miracles. The cross was a place where it appeared that man hanging there had lost whatever power he did have. He lost it now. If he was of God, he's done made God mad because God ain't using him no more. So more than likely, it was just the devil. Or more than likely, whatever power it was, it's gone. And now the cross just had an appearance of a weak man. And that's exactly right. It had to. You know why? Because God's grace cannot be made perfect except through weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, when Paul asked, God, I need you to deliver me from this thorn in my flesh. He said, Paul, my grace. Remember, we're talking about today those that would pervert the grace of God, those that would change it into something that it's not. Here is what it is. My grace is sufficient for you because my strength, here comes the definition of grace, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So when you look at the cross, and the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 13 and 4, that through weakness Jesus was crucified. Yet he lives by the power of God. 
So God's grace, God Himself is looking for those who know they're weak. I'm not talking about uh, weak physically and, and, and limber and they can't pick up anything off the floor. I'm talking about weak in spirit. They're not trusting in their gifts and talents and what they're able to do and the beauty that they have about them. They're not trusting in any of that, their status in the community, if they even have one. They're trusting exclusively in that which appeared weak but brings power. Hallelujah. The Bible says there in that verse as well in 2 Corinthians 13, 4, that not only did Jesus through weakness be crucified for us, but we also are weak in Him. We've been taught all our lives we're strong in Him. That ain't in your Bible. What is in your Bible is that we're weak in Him, but that through Him, we can do all things because He will strengthen us. But that strength only comes from God's grace, which always has an appearance of weakness, yet there's the power of God involved in it. Because the cross appeared to be a man who was weak and had lost all power, but he was, by the grace of God, tasting death for us. This is so wonderful. It's so wonderful to be able to look to what Jesus did and receive the grace of God that even in your weak state, the power of God will be there. And the Bible says there, Paul wrote it, that we also are weak in Him, yet we live by the power of God with Him unto others. See, the cross wasn't for Jesus. It was unto all of humanity. It was unto all. It was about others. What He was doing was for you and me. It was about others. The grace of God is what God wants to do in you. Here comes and through you. What you will let Him do in you, it will flow through you because everything He does is for the edification of the body. Others. Are you getting this? If you look at the cross, you'll see the best picture of grace you'll ever see. Not in God showing Paul. That's a great place to look where we read in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Uh, that's where God gave Paul the definition of what grace really was. And then Paul began to understand. <laughs> There's that yellow jacket again. He just wants to sting somebody. That old devil. <laughs> God was trying to teach Paul what grace really was. And that's why later Paul could write, listen, let's read it in Galatians chapter 2, verse 21. Listen to this. This is what Paul was learning. I do not frustrate the grace of God. I do not, frustrate means set it aside, deny it, put it away. I do not frustrate the grace of God. How could I do that? For if righteousness comes by what I do, by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Do you see that? The grace of God comes through the death, my faith, in the death of Jesus alone. And then that is the avenue that I'm made righteous and that I experience the fruits of His righteousness. And we're talking about grace this morning because the ungodly have crept in among us. They've written books. They've written commentaries. And as I said last Friday, man, they've been creeping in so long that now when a true preacher of righteousness stands and proclaims the gospel, the truth, many think that we're their enemy. That we're just blasting and coming against everything. Listen, Paul even had to deal with that. He says, have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? The seminaries are full 
of those who've crept in. The pulpits, the churches, all positions in the church are full of people who've crept in. And they've been seduced by those who have turned the grace of God into something that it's not. The grace of God is what God did in Christ at Calvary. If you're saved by grace, but you're only saved through faith in the sacrifice of Christ, let me say it again. Then the grace of God is what God did in Christ at Calvary. I know you may be sick of hearing it, but if you are, that just means you don't love the truth like you need to. You'll learn to love it over and over again. Jesus, Hebrews 2.9, was tasting death by the grace of God for all men. 2 Corinthians 5.19, God was in Christ reconciling sinners to himself. If God ain't in it, it ain't grace, honey. And if God is in it, that means the fruit of what Christ did at Calvary is going to be manifest. Do you see that? You've got thousands and thousands and thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of churches that gather every week and they put law, they put death on the table. They've used God's word in a way that's perverted the people cannot learn. They cannot grow because the scriptures are not pointing to Christ alone and what he did at Calvary alone. They're actually, the church has been infiltrated so bad and so heavily with these ungodly men who've crept in among us unaware that in our today's church, they're just flat out telling you it ain't all about the cross. It's also about, and then they'll name these things for you to have victory, for you to have the provision of God. It's way more blatant today than it was when Jude wrote what he wrote. There's a whole lot more Christians in the world than there was that day. There's a whole lot more people crept in among us unaware. But thank God for the message of the cross. Because it's the only message who can point out who they are. Paul called out who they were. Jesus pointed out who they were. John the Baptist pointed out who they were. You do that in today, in any day, the prophet, they killed all the prophets. Because the prophet, you, you ever wondered why they killed all the prophets? Jesus said they wrote about him. So it's pretty obvious him is the one they really don't want to hear about. They want to hear about their own selves. When you get a hold of this truth of the cross, you're going to have a love for the Lord you, you, you've not ever had before. When you get a hold of this truth, you, you, you're going to finally understand what it means to love the truth because if you don't have a love for the truth, you're going to believe a lie. That's what the Bible says. I'm just here because I love you. Teaching every week over and over and over. Man, I've got a wood shop. I love to work with wood. I, but you know what? I, I can't put that before the, the calling on my life. If I get to that, I get to that. If I don't, I don't. But I've got to tell somebody that there are millions who are perverting the grace of God. There are millions today of Christians who also are hungry and thirsty and want to know how to get out of the sin that's dominating their lives. They don't even know it's a sin nature. There's no, so many that's crept in among us unaware is telling folks they don't even have a sin nature. All sorts of perversions. Remember, apostasy is perversion. 
Apostasy doesn't mean that people just leave the way of righteousness and then just go back into the world altogether, which they could, many have. But a lot of times apostasy means they just begin to pervert. You can be sitting in the same pew that you were sitting in when you were in the way of righteousness, but now you just got an outward look and you, you have forsaken the way of righteousness still sitting in that same pew for 40 years. It's all based on what you're doing with the cross of Christ. It's all based on what you're doing with the scriptures in that context. Are you still being seduced by thoughts, imaginations that have exalted themselves above the knowledge of God? The knowledge of God tells you when they only have a form but they're denying the power for you to turn away. The Bible doesn't tell you to stay there. The Bible tells you to get up and get away from them. There can't be any fellowship in those places with true faith and that which is not faith. Anything not of faith is sin. Think about that. This is a, a serious teaching today. As Again, many would hear teachings like this and say, well, they're just all hung up. You know, if you're not a part of their church, that's a that's what they thought about all oh, the prophets of old. That's what they thought about. G that's what they thought about John the Baptist. That's what. That, listen. That's what they thought about Paul. If you're preaching the truth, the real truth, it's going to bring the real grace, and the real grace is going to have the real fruit of the of the spirit. Not you just telling people you love them, getting on social media and talking about how much you love somebody. And how, oh, how blessed they are. Oh, how powerful they are and how gifted they are. Listen, it's good to do that. That's well-mannered and polite and nice, but that don't mean that's God's grace functioning in your life. People have replaced God's grace with those things, calling that God's grace. The way we know the difference, not everybody does know, but the way we know the difference is the same way Paul did. If our faith is in the death of Jesus alone, we're not trusting in all the schemes that come inside the church. Those are the men that creep in the church unaware. With the father-son principle, you've got to tithe to this father. You've got to have a covering of a father, and he's got to have a covering. And, and the, the purpose-driven life, the 40 days of purpose, the, the government of 12, the, the you, you, you're now the prophet of your own life, and the words you speak are taking you where you're going. And all these things, the promise, key, you name it, all these are things that creep into the church to distract from the gospel and to pervert the gospel. Even though the word gospel is used. Even though the word Christ. And occasionally the word cross is used. But really the objects of faith become those things. That's a perversion my friend. That's a perversion. Anything that's not pointed to the cross of Christ. The very sacrifice and death of Jesus. Using the scriptures. Is a perversion. And we are not speaking in Christ. In Christ speaks of where our position and only our experience can be. We walk in Him, Colossians 2.6, if our faith is in what it was in when we received Him. When we move our faith from that, we're no longer walking in Him because in Him we're weak. See, the deception, the confusion is that I need to be strong 
And we do, but, but listen, our strength is only when we're being strengthened through Christ. That means when our faith is in the cross, he was crucified through weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. And we also are weak in him, yet we live with him by the power of God unto others. That's grace, my friend. That's grace. It's not God wanting to strengthen you so that you can look strong. God wants to strengthen you in your inner man so that he can be glorified. You need to know that. The best place that you can represent God is in your weakness. When there's no way you're going to be able to make it through. God, I, I need this thorn. I need it gone. I need this gone. Lord, I need... Paul said when he heard those words of the Lord, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Paul said most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory right here in my infirmities, reproaches, whatever it is, not about them, but in them, because I would rather have the power of Christ resting upon me. See, you can't separate the grace of God from God's strength made perfect in your weakness from the power of Christ. You can't separate. Those are one and the same thing. And they all take place when you just settle in your heart in a humble manner. God, I'm trusting in the very work of Christ for me in my situation because I need you. I need your grace. I'd rather have your grace. I'd rather you be glorified through me than me look like I've got it all going on. I'd rather glorify you. Are you in that place today? You better be careful because 9.9999% out of all Christians are listening to something that is coming out of the Bible, but it's not pointing them to the only place their faith can be so that what they're hearing, the application by the Holy Spirit can take place. We're praying for you. We're, we love you. I thank God for those of you who listen and are being encouraged and your iron is sharpening iron. I thank you for praying for us. I thank you for your financial support. By the way, which you can give, you can donate online at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can text your giving to 903-231-5950. We look forward to being with you next Friday morning again at 9 a.m. Central Time right here in the studio. And until then, make sure you stay absolutely determined to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified. God bless you. See you then. Amen.